And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Thursday, remember, kids, leave your blow at the door. <laughs> Gary, how are you? <laughs> Could you not leave it in the car? <laughs> I did not know he was going to start the show with that statement. <laughs> Could you not just leave it in the car? I mean, I, I, I understand addiction and all that, but it's the White House. Whiskey bottle, brand new car, oak tree, you're in my way. Yep. There's too much smoke and too much coke. Yeah. Something's going on inside you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> There's something going on inside the White House. <laughs> I should have changed those Ronnie Van Zant lyrics. <laughs> oh, man. I never thought I would begin a show <laughs> with Leonard Skinnerd lyrics from what, 47 years ago. I was going to say, yeah. 40, yeah wow. Right, right about that. 47 years yeah. ago. Yeah. You know, I was, um, I have my next Friday, and I'm just going to the the, the happy hour. It's They mm-hmm. they do the whole thing, and I'm only going. The cocktail social. The, the cocktail so- social hour for my 50th high school reunion. Yeah, okay. And so just driving, you know, uh, back and forth to work, work the last couple of days, I've, I've been listening to music from like 1973. And some of it's great, and some of it really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, a couple of songs came across in that era recently, and I'm like, I don't get all the soft music, you know. And there's, there's, of course, you know, there are people that I don't get all that hard music, you know, that are the opposite. But I'm like, man, I, I, w- I will tell you, I realize what a strange time it it uh, it was mm-hmm. when just in a in like a 20-minute period, <laughs> Gilbert O'Sullivan, you're a bad dog, baby. Get down, get down. Yeah. Just, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, or, and and then, oh, I can't think of the guy. Um, he was actually from uh, 
from uh, from Buffalo, Playground in My Mind. Oh, you remember yeah, that song? Yeah, yeah. My yeah. name is Michael. Oh, I got a nickel. Oh. I'm like, oh my god, this is just oh, really, yeah, really. Yeah. I can't think of the guy's name either. It just it just popped out of my I mind. I can't remember either. And and then then it yeah. came on, and I'm thinking to myself, this could never play today. The mm. Jimmy Caster bunch. Was it uh, the caveman song? Mm. Remember Bertha Butt? Oh, yeah. The Bertha Butt song. Yeah, you song. can't do that. That's No, you can't I'm do like, that. Well, you can't do that today. I'm listening yeah. to this going, I don't believe you could play this today. Yeah. Her name was Bertha Butt, one of the Butt sisters. She was a big woman. Yeah. A big woman. I'm like, oh, my God. Body shaming. Or is it? <laughs> well, actually, no, because uh, he, 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 he seemed to be into it. I, I don't think he was shaming. Uh, no, I, I he was he was observing something that he approved of. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. So, but then I I I don't know. If, did we say it? It's just a. It was two weeks ago, and it's mm-hmm. funny because Elton John just you know he's done now, finished his live touring, and it was I. Th- think uh about two weeks ago which was the 50th anniversary of saturday night's all right for fighting being released yeah wow like wow yeah wow that was and the other thing is i had no idea remember the suite hmm. remember the band the suite i remember i little, remember the little band willie won't yeah yeah okay yeah I was just I I just thought that was later. I just right. you know, but yeah. but yeah, it was interesting. Just you, know, you you go back, and I said this a couple of years ago that I, I'm really I don't listen to you know oldies, and I realized the stuff from my senior year is definitely defined as oldies. It's a half century ago, uh, uh, and I just really never and never did, and not not that I don't. There aren't some songs that I don't like. It's just, you know, I there's a lot of it that's just too poppy for me. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that when it comes up, when I hear it, and this has only been a, for a couple of years, it takes me right back to a particular place. A song will take me to an exact moment. And that I find really interesting because I really yeah. never did that before. Yeah. I just always graduated, and you know, with new music and new music all the way. Even today, most of what right. I listen to is yeah. is is new stuff. Yeah, it may be new stuff from old bands. <laughs> uh, the the band Triumph takes me back to, and it's you know they were popular, uh, you know when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and you know they were okay, they, they were a good band, but I just listened to them if somebody else had the tape or whatever. Yeah, and I mean. it immediately takes me back to like Amistad, Del Rio, in the summer. I mean, that's what it takes. And I went to a Triumph show one time, and, and we got front row tickets because of a friend of a friend. And I had long hair, and, and uh, something from their pyro landed in my hair. And oh, it, wow. it singed it. <laughs> and a buddy of mine's like, and he was screaming at me, and I thought he was saying the band wow. is on fire, but he was saying your hair's on, on fire. fire. It actually was wow. just kind of singed. It wasn't didn't burn up, but yeah. Uh, so almost like uh, Wayne and Garth. Yeah, 
where Wayne's or Garth is trying the lighter and lights yeah. the guy's yeah, head. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, not quite that drastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, so uh yeah, well, interesting day yesterday. Uh I can't find it. You haven't been able to find it. Um, you know, it's impossible for us with our schedule, for example, to watch the entire, you know, FBI uh, you know, the the uh, Ray yesterday testifying. And the one thing that we asked is the one question that had to be asked, because it's what you're looking to do is make him answer a question. Yeah. And for yeah. the most part, he didn't answer a question. Or he would just say, they, you know, they'd sit there, here's what we found. He goes, well, I disagree with that. Yeah. And then they'd move on. I mean, Jim right. Jordan, uh, I like, I have appreciated what Jim Jordan has done. But t- sometimes his manic style just goes from topic to topic to topic, and you never really get into anything. Right. You never right. G- you never get into it, and 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 I, as an as you know the inv- uh, as one of the investigators looking at it that way, I think he does a great job presenting it. Though is critical. Well, and, how you present yeah. everything is critical, which is and how I, just, I appreciated Trey Gowdy's approach. Yeah, because he approached he he approached it like a prosecutor, and. And the the entire point is politically, politically, and because it's all politics, yeah. And you're trying to show where the other party is, or the 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 president, or the FBI, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that they're doing the the wrong thing. Yeah. So it's all politics to begin with. But your goal, your goal is to convince independence. That's what your goal is. And the one question that we thought should have been asked, and I can't find out that I can't find anywhere where it was asked. I've gone through a ton of different uh, audio. I haven't been able to go through the entire thing yet, but from what I can see, nobody asked the question we thought should be asked, which was uh, Representative Comer says you lied to him about the 1023 form. Yeah. About the whole uh, uh, bribe that you said it didn't exist. Is that true? And if he came out, I mean, you want to put them on the spot, and it's something that he precisely did. Right. Because your whole goal is you look at it and the American public believes that the FBI is compromised. The American public is behind the Republicans right now. They may not say they're behind the Republicans, but they're behind where the Republicans stand. Yep. They look at it and they say, no, okay, uh, these law enforcement agencies, you know, they, there, there is a, you know, there's a, um, a two-tier justice system out there. And your whole goal then as a Republican, if that's what you believe, is to make the best points you actually can. So if you talk about things that the FBI did in general, you had the FBI director said, well, I didn't know about that. Well, I disagree with that. Well, I just and then they move on to something else. They don't cross examine them. Right. And it was a perfect opportunity. If your goal is to ruin the credibility that you believe that the FBI director is compromised mm-hmm. and has no credibility, your goal should be to get him on get him on something that he specifically has been accused of doing, and it's less than a month old. Yeah, and it has to do with protecting the Bidens and a two tier uh, system of justice. So that question should have been, as we said yesterday, that should have been one of the first questions right out of the. You know, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And from what I know, I can't find that it was said, and I can't find anybody that reported on it being said. If anybody heard it, let me know because and, and let us know who asked that specific question because I haven't been able to find it. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I know that Fox News has the story. Foxnews.com has the story about him saying he's absolutely not protecting the Bidens. Um, you know, that that conversation, that that question specifically is important because, according to Comer, Ray didn't change his tune until Comer told him that he and Grassley had already seen the document. Right. And then all of a sudden, Ray is showing up on Capitol Hill after Comer said that Ray said the document doesn't exist. And you want that question asked directly because, as you stated, it's not one of those where he can just say, well, uh, due to an event. No, no, no. This is your behavior. I'm asking about your behavior and your communications with Comer. Did you at any point deny that that document exists? And keep in mind, we would have record of that. And, And by the way, I put this on Comer, too. Look, we have record that it was, you know, that this conversation happened if if it was email or something. And if he does, if it was in writing, if he has that denial by Director Ray. If it was a telephone call, not sure if there is, I, I doubt that would be recorded. But if it is in writing, Comer needs to make Ray aware of that, that you denied this. It's important to set the table here to demonstrate if Ray is 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 covering for the Bidens, because what we're learning on a number of fronts here is it looks like the Department of Justice, Christopher Ray's boss, Merrick Garland, the AG, is covering. And if mm-hmm. that is the case, then you see that. And then all of a sudden we're talking about obstruction of justice. I don't know how we're not. And if we don't get to that point quickly, then we may never get to the truth. If you're going to let them sit there and deny these things and you're not going to call them on it, then expect them to deny at every turn. Because the game is, assume that they are both covering, Ray and his boss, the AG, are both covering for the Bidens. The game is, They don't know what you know until you tell them what you've seen. And And according to Comer, that was the Comer situation on the FD 23. That's how it played out. Well, then they're still playing that game, though. They're still playing that game of, well, we don't know what the GOP has. We mentioned this yesterday. There's no doubt because politically, there's no other way to play it. You don't play that hand until it comes to your table, until it's laid down in front of you and you see the cards. And that has to be demonstrated and should have been demonstrated yesterday. As you mentioned, it should have been the first question. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're beyond the generic that the, the generic weaponization of government. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the yeah, questions that was brought up. A, a yeah. lot of the questions that were asked were repeat questions. Right. Right. Uh, you know, that had already been asked to him. And they're and, broad questions. They're broader they're broad. questions. And, and that's why we said specifically, if you're, if, if you believe, if you're a Republican and you believe that, uh, I almost said Comey, <laughs> that, that, that Ray is compromised and mm-hmm. he is leading that two-tier system of justice mm-hmm. when it comes to the uh, in, in investigation of the Bidens, and you make the claim, are you, are you protecting the Bidens? Well, then what, and this is why we said this is, needs to be one of the first questions that's asked, 
about the 1023 because Comer has made the specific allegation, which the FBI has not denied to this point. Right. Or Ray did not deny up to the meeting yesterday. And he didn't, from what I know, the question wasn't asked. So he still hasn't confronted that question. Right. That uh, it was specific that we came to you, you said it didn't exist until we told you it existed. Right. Now, is that how it happened? Or did you just not mention it? But from the way Comer said it, by the way it's being reported, Comer is stating that Ray said it didn't exist. So he was lying to him. If you're lying here, how do we believe anything else that you're saying? That's how you set the table. Exactly, because because you're demonstrating that you are, in fact, covering up. Yes. And, And if that is the case, then it's only a matter of time before we find out officially that the ag is covering up you know and and you're able to prove that if you're able to prove those two things you talk you're talking about obstruction of justice and you're able to clear a path to the truth sooner you can't let this back and forth go on forever Eight six six ninety red eye keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance think your pm is complete after your oil is changed think again There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider, too. Transmission fluid, for example, prevents wear of gears, bearings, and bushings, protects against corrosion, and acts as a heat transfer fluid. You may not think about this every time you get behind the wheel, but as soon as it's not doing its job, you'll notice. Misapplication of transmission fluid can mean reduced fuel economy and abrupt or hard shifts if the static friction is too high. It can also cause sluggish operation at low temperatures if the viscosity is too high and leaking through seals if viscosity is too low. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. 
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harding. I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Uh, we'll get to, to some uh, audio uh, yesterday from uh, FBI Director Ray's uh, testimony in front of the uh, the House. Um, inflation. Yeah. Uh, interesting that uh, all the numbers came in under the median forecast uh, for June. So your month-over-month uh, month CPI, uh, the median forecast was 0.3, and it came in at 0.2. Uh, this uh, also core month-over-month month CPI uh, came in under at uh, it, the median forecast was 0.3, and it came in at 0.2. Uh, CPI year over year median forecast is three point one. It came in at three, and core CPI year over year that one was expected to be hotter, uh, coming in at five on the median forecast, and it actual the actual was four point eight. Uh, previous month was five point three, which is still pretty hot. Four point eight is still pretty hot on core CPI, but it is was better than expected. The question would be. What has changed with in the retail environment? You're seeing a number of things where retailers are are changing. I think you and I, I don't know if we talked about this, how much we talked about it on the air. But there was another article yesterday about certain Walmart locations changing their hours. Like some stores that are doing better, they're extending their hours a little bit. Uh, I don't think many, if any, are going back to 24 hours, but they're extending their hours. And some stores who aren't doing as as great a business, they are um, not extending their hours and they have limited hours. Uh, So the the point would be is that at the retail level, at the consumer level, how much have we cut back on spending um, and how much of this is a result of inflation rates going up? And what will the Fed do next on inflation rates? Interest rates. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. All right. Uh, the bad part about the inflation uh, numbers. Mm. Uh, when you look at it, uh, hang on. I got a couple of. Uh, here we go. Uh, car insurance and healthcare have been increasing. Mm-hmm. Auto insurance increased sixteen point nine percent. Over the past year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and um, they, they don't have the health care numbers here mm-hmm. where I'm looking at, but they also say health care numbers or excuse me, health insurance numbers are also up uh, uh, drastically. Housing costs still going up. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about what people buy each and every day. You know, the things that they have to have. Car insurance is one. Health care is another. Rent, housing costs also continue to go up Mm -hmm. faster. Right. And so that's a problem. When you look at it, I did see a couple of things. Democrats celebrate. Democrats have no reason to celebrate. They created this. Well, and when you talk about core inflation year over year being still being at 4.8 percent, those aren't good numbers. No, they're not. 
And that's what that's what everybody was really concerned about with the median forecast coming in at five. Four point eight is better. It shows that the rate of inflation slowed during that period. But year over year, we're still four point eight over last year's June and, numbers. And that was that was pointed out yesterday that last year's numbers were so incredibly high yes. that understand that core inflation at four point eight percent or even three percent the actual dollar amount right. you know keeps increasing. Right. The public still feels it. Yes. So when there, you, those prices aren't coming down. So when you hear this and I was thinking to myself yesterday, I said, you know, are Democrats going to jump on this saying we have solved the problem as mm-hmm. people are hurting. Mm-hmm. Remember the excess money that people had from COVID gone. Yeah. Forty percent of Americans can't get up, cannot come up with four hundred dollars cash. Right. Which means they may have a credit card that they could still tap into, but they don't have four hundred dollars in savings. That's forty percent of Americans right now, American adults. Yeah. Uh, don't have it. So the squeeze is on for the public. And when I saw Democrats celebrate, yes, I'm like, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> You're celebrating the fact that inflation is still really high. Core inflation over double what the uh, the the Fed's target goal is. It's something that you created. Mm-hmm. The Democrats created it. We know they did with the spending. We also know that if the Republicans hadn't got had not got into office last year there would have been more spending by the Democrats coming in. And so it's just very important to understand that. But the thing is, I don't have to push too hard on that. I know the media is, I think it was National Review, somebody in National Review had a column about how they're, you know, they're saying, you know, basically that, you know, inflation is something that the Republicans use, uh, you know, to exaggerate the situation. And it's like, "Mm, no, you, you can't. You can't BS prices to the American people. You can write stupid columns that say inflation really doesn't matter. And all you are is out of touch to the American public. Yeah, Noah Rothman at uh, at National Review. The left can't mock people out of feeling inflation. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't try to pretend this doesn't exist. Uh, because that's it. When we talk about inflation rates coming down, that doesn't mean prices are coming down. And we already know this. These are June numbers. The consumer's already paid this. And when you go back a year, you have to add this on top of, you know, when you when you look at the pre-spending, massive spending, uh, you go back a few years and it it looks pretty horrific because it is. The increase in the cost of goods, you know, over and over again, anecdotally, just ordering things like uh, one of my um, AC filters is a six-month filter. It's actually a year filter, but I do it every six months. And I order it. These things used to be 35 bucks a piece. They're 55 bucks. I have a family member who works in the wholesale business and can get parts and and filters and everything else. And it's the same cost for them, at least their cost. And you're not going to, you know, these are the things where you look at the cost of building a house. Like when you when you look at the values of homes, um, a lot of that has to do with, 
building that same square footage today, right? Mm-hmm. You talk about replacing your home if it's homeowner's insurance or just the value of your home and what it's worth in those in that material costs, that labor costs. And it is still skyrocketing. I mean, it's just you're at the point now where I don't know what the consumer sentiment is collectively because I would be I would be reluctant to believe that we just settle in and say this is the new normal because that pain keeps hitting you every day. You're reminded of that pain. It's like anything else that jumps in, in prices, and now everything else has jumped. And what I wonder here is, you know, we saw, uh, you know, so many people being moved to part-time work. Uh, we've seen the, the tech layoffs, which Microsoft adds – uh, another ten thousand in layoffs. Uh, you see all of these things that are that are changing with with labor. And keep in mind, we're still at a point where we need people for other roles in the economy. We need people for certain jobs, but there's still layoffs going on because of that mismatch that we've talked about. And when you have this, you know, I mean. Uh, you're setting up a a stagflation. You're setting up a slow economy. And whether we're technically getting to a recession or not, the pain is real. You can You can call it whatever you want. But the pain of going to the grocery store and having to make choices, the pain of deciding whether or not you're going to buy groceries or pay the light bill, that's all real. You know, when you just mentioned your air conditioner filter, there was, oh, I can't remember what it was, hmm. but I had that same kind of experience here in the last week. I can't remember yeah. what I wanted to buy, yeah. but it was, uh, it was, uh, I can't even remember if I bought it or not. I don't, hmm. I just remember that there was something that was roughly 90% higher than it was the last time I bought it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember what it was. So you just reminded me when you said the AC filter almost double what it Yeah. Yeah. what it uh, was just a, you know, a couple of years well, ago. I, I and went, this was something like that and I and it was oh I I got to remember what it was I, I went through a drive-through over the weekend and got two items. Fast food. And the price for the two items and a medium diet soda was over $13. Now, if I order like DoorDash, I expect it to be the price to be a little bit higher, plus you're going to add a tip and you pay for the convenience. I was going through the drive-thru, and I thought, wow, 13 bucks, And it wasn't a meal. I mean, it was my meal. It was my lunch. But we're talking two items in a medium soda, and it was over 13 bucks. And I thought to myself, well, I don't know what the inflation is. And here's another thing. I've noticed that grilled chicken items have disappeared off fast food menus. You'll still see it in salad. Uh, and it, at least in my experience, a number of the top fast food franchises have gotten rid of their grilled chicken sandwiches. And I don't know why that is. 
I don't know if it's too expensive and the price point is too high. They can't, they don't believe they can pass that along to the consumer. Uh, you still see it in certain, a couple of different items like, uh, like salads and, and stuff like that. But the grilled chicken sandwiches have disappeared from a number of the fast food menus. Then my only guess for that, and I haven't looked at it, I haven't researched it, but I'm guessing it's because the price point is too hot. Oh, I know what it was. Hmm. Certain pool supplies. Yeah. Like uh, the acid for my pool, mm-hmm. almost double. Yeah. Right. It used to be 10 bucks to get a couple of bottles. Right. It's now 18 that was one of the things that I first saw. I went, "Whoa!" Yeah, you know, you're, you're and so you're you're talking about from a couple of years ago when it was ten bucks to buy, you know, a, two of the 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 two quart of the uric acid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's now eighteen bucks. Yeah, and I think it was shock. Uh, <laughs> I was shocked by the cost of shock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's uh, was the uh, the non chlorine shock that mm-hmm. I use in my pool, mm-hmm. and that was also up like. 60 70 percent from a couple of years ago and i went whoa yeah and i just and i I don't use that much of you know it it's not that it's a it's just i noticed it right and went whoa that's way over what it was right just a couple of years ago yeah and so those are the things i think people are going through and so uh when you have and it's interesting because Noah rothman of national review talked about the the different uh people on the left writing about inflation Right, right. That, you know, this is something that the Republicans are just attempting to use. And it's like, and you can't, and his article was, you can't mock people out of not recognizing that inflation is a, has been a serious problem we've and been still is that, serious. Yeah, we make, we've been making that point in a different way um, it, it, for a long time now because we've been saying you can't tell the consumers not paying attention. They're paying attention when they when they pay the bill. They're paying attention at the grocery store. When the numbers come out, they've already paid that. They already know what, what June was about when it comes to inflation. You can't convince them this isn't real. And it, which is why I'm grateful for that article. I think he did a great job, uh, Noah Rothman at, at uh, National Review. Uh, it basically says what we have been saying. You're not going to convince the consumer of that and we talked about it when the administration was standing up trying to say that it essentially wasn't bad that that they were trying to imply that prices were coming down and only for a few items has that been the case for most everything collectively your grocery bill your bill for existing greater and 4.8 core inflation year over year, when you add it on to last year's numbers, this isn't good. And the year before. And the year numbers. before, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is something where, and, and this is why you you see the uh, the Fed in recent days, they've implied that, that they will keep raising interest rates, that they need to keep raising interest rates. Well, what does that tell you? They understand. Core inflation is still hot. Prices are still too high. And you've seen economists actually say it. You actually won't see the result of it until you start seeing layoffs. The whole idea of raising interest rates is to slow the economy. Mm -hmm. And I think we're getting to that point. 
And if companies are choosing to go the part-time route instead of laying people off, that may be the new layoff, right? We talked about that earlier this week. Did you did you see that article in the Atlantic mm. <laughs> the other day? I think Real Clear Politics had it. <laughs> that was uh, oh, it wasn't talking about inflation. It was talking about um, uh, oh, I just got mind blank here. Mm. Uh, it was uh, uh, oh, debt, and it was like it turns out the debt really is a problem. <laughs> No, I mean this and is something is going through everything. Yeah. We didn't think it was a problem, but it's it, it's really it's really going to be a problem. There's hey, serious consequences here. Problem. But, but it was like, like but it was like the article was like the the author was like shocked by it. Well, yeah, because we we didn't think this was going to happen, and, and the debt actually really is a problem. It is a problem, and, and it's like the you know the uh, the uh, the city leaders there in in D.C. You know. <laughs> what is going on with this crime back in march hey don't believe the media hype there's no crime problem yeah it's well, it's well, weird adam, adam said it yesterday because the poll came out that 41 percent of new yorkers are more fearful of crime than ever before which is record numbers yeah and his thing was well the media is telling you that yeah well and then you had Bragg come out of the same day and say, yes, he's very concerned with any of his relatives riding the subway. Right. And it's just, like, yeah, it's like, well, okay. And Adams is out there going, this is a media driven problem. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The conservative media of New York City. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> All the liberals are now reading the New York Post. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. The FBI director in front of Congress. More on that coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for being here. You know, Eric, the... One thing yesterday, I mean, Kamala Harris, they need to shut her up. I mean, they seriously, they yeah. do. You saw the whole bathroom thing yesterday that yeah. all of a sudden she starts talking about the inequity of 
airplane bathrooms, and it was like, what? With everything going out, what do you, what do you, what? What do you, what do you talk? I fly all the time, and I'm like, what do you, what? What are you talking about? The average, what? you know, the, the average person does not fly as much as I do. Mm-hmm. The average person probably flies maybe what, once a year, or maybe not even that. On the average, I'd say it's less than that. Less yeah. than that, yeah. And so she's, but. Because we were talking about Nora Rothman from National Review, basically said, "What is Kamala Harris trying to say?" And and the best thing about it was Charles Cook from National Review regarding what is Kamala Harris trying to say, responding to Noah Rothman. <laughs> and, I love those back and forth, by the way. And it's just, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's wonderful. It's just Noah, you ask what Kamala Harris is trying to say, and I think what's important is that it is time for us to agree that there are things that are available to us. Look, when you think about it, airplanes are the way we express our desire, and it is a desire, a real desire, a meaningful desire to travel (laughs) when we need to live out our hope to transport ourselves from one place to another, which you know airplanes are kind of fancy from the perspective of Venn diagrams, which I love, and yet it's interesting that airplane is one word that contains two words and has many meanings. Because what is ultimately about isn't the air, but the ground. The air is an important part of the journey, which is why it's an airplane and not a ground plane. But as Doug and I often observe, what matters is getting there, the arriving, and not being where you were before. And part of the issue there is making sure that you determine where you are going, which will help predict where you will end up. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Perfect. As if Kamala wrote it herself. I know. I mean, seriously. Just just, perfect. Oh, gee. Yeah. And so the whole thing with the with the airplane bathrooms, it's like with all the problems we're facing, yeah. she finally, yeah. finally, <laughs> something maybe Kamala may be able to handle. Because you saw her talking about AI. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's let's get her on the let's get her on the implications of artificial intelligence yeah. over the next couple of decades. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm like, but finally they I think they may have something that she could handle. Mm-hmm. The crapper. Ah, uh, yeah. There you go. No, I mean, if you're going to talk about something, then uh, stay in your wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always say. So, my God, it just yeah, wow. And it's how, how many have there been over just this week? Two or three times. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh man. You got to be kidding me! Yeah, uh, and <laughs> he's probably not healthy enough to make a second term. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, just oh, wow. Uh, all right, let's uh, go to the uh, hearing yesterday. Uh, just give you an example of 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 what it was like, and we'll go to Chip Roy asking uh, FBI Director Ray. Um, about a number of uh, issues concerning Hunter Biden and Trump and all that other neat stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Auden was one of the FBI intelligence analysts who interviewed Igor Danchenko, the principal source of the Steele dossier, in January 2017, correct? 
I, I believe that's in the Durham report. Uh, and, and Danchenko explained that the dossier allegations were BS, yet the FBI did not reveal that to the FISA court. Instead, the FBI continued to use those allegations in two more sworn FISA applications about President Trump and Putin, correct? Well, again, I want to let Mr. Durham's report speak for itself. Okay, but uh, as director of the FBI, that's, those are the facts of the FBI under your watch. The uh, FBI well, conducted... No, no, sir, I'm sorry. Just, it's important. Not under my watch. Those are the facts. I'm getting, I'm, getting to the part, I'm getting to the part under your watch. Okay. The FBI conducted an internal investigation of Auten and sought to suspend him, but Auten appealed, correct? I can't discuss a specific pending personnel matter. Okay, well, according to recent reports, those are the facts. Nevertheless, in 2020, after Senators Grassley and Johnson highlighted evidence of potential financial crimes and corruption against the Biden family, the FBI assigned Auten to compile an assessment which was used to characterize the Biden revelations as Russian disinformation. The evidence Grassley and Johnson had collected were mostly financial records and could easily have been corroborated as authentic. And by then... The FBI had the Hunter laptop in its possession for over a year, so it knew the lucrative payments of the Bidens from corrupt and anti-American regimes were authentic. How on earth did the FBI empower an agent under investigation for potentially corrupt performance and abuse of FISA in one politically fraught investigation, a Democrat operative-driven case against President Trump, to play a key role and to undermine a second politically fraught investigation, a case against the Bidens. How's that possible? How can you allow that to occur in the Federal Bureau of Investigation, as my colleagues on the other side of the aisle say, the elite law enforcement agency of the United States? How does that occur? I can't, at the moment, discuss a pending personnel matter. Uh, I can tell you that every employee who in any way touched uh, the crossfire hurricane matter uh, has been referred to our Office of Professional Responsibility, our discipline. Are you concerned about this, this activity by the FBI and what was communicated to the FISA court? Does that concern you as the director of the FBI? I consider the conduct that was described in the Durham report as totally unacceptable and unrepresentative of what I see from the FBI every day and must never be allowed to happen again. And have there been consequences as a result? Is Mr. Auten, uh, had, has he had consequences? Well, again, I can't speak to pending personnel matters. As you would perhaps remember from your own time in law enforcement, because we were working closely with Mr. Durham and I assigned agents to help him, at his request, we slowed down the administrative process to allow his investigation to complete itself. Now that it is complete, our personnel processes are very much ongoing. Well, I think it is more than troubling that under your watch, we see that this continued to occur and you have Auten being continued to be empowered after there was an investigation and after there was an effort by the FBI to look into why he would go to the FISA court and give wrong information. I mean, the issue here has been wrapped up in a cloud of politics, but the fact is the American people deserve to know how the FISA court is being abused and how it's being abused against the former president and against them. In light of the reports that we saw Mr. Johnson from Louisiana put forward, there was in a court filing and a court report. I want to move on to another topic. On September 23, 2022, 20 heavily armed agents stormed the home of Mark Houck. You're familiar with this? I'm familiar with the Houck case a little bit, yes. And uh, this was after Mr. Houck. By the way, that's a lie, a mm-hmm. little bit, the Mark Houck mm-hmm. case. Yeah. That's just yeah. that's an absolute a little lie. bit. A yeah. little bit. Uh-huh. Houck's lawyer reached out and said he would appear voluntarily because the incident in question occurred almost in a year earlier in October of 2021. So a year earlier. And the question here I have, local authorities investigated the incident, 
but concluded there was no case. After the jury met for roughly an hour, Houck was acquitted. How on earth did Mark Houck end up having the FBI send several armed agents along with local authorities to arrest him at gunpoint? And do you approve it? Did you approve of that? Well, let me start where you ended. Decisions about the manner uh, of an arrest are not something that the FBI director approves. I defer to and rely on the judgment of the experienced career agents on the ground who have both the most intimate understanding of the facts and of the training experience to decide how best to effectuate an arrest. Do you know who, who did order it? And my understanding is that that arrest was conducted in our Philadelphia division uh, by career agents with a combined 40 years of do, FBI experience. Do you experience. approve of the raid now in retrospect? Well, do you think it was appropriate? Do you think it was appropriate for a father to have armed FBI agents along with local agents go to his home, arrest him at gunpoint for alleged violation of the FACE Act a year after the alleged incident, after the father had said through his lawyer that he would appear voluntarily, do you believe that FBI agents should go to the home of a father in Philadelphia suburbs? I'm not going to second-guess the judgment of the career agents on the ground who made the determination. But your, your, your job is to second-guess and look at, at what they are doing. Your job is to review what they do. Your job is to protect the American people from a tyrannical FBI storming the home of an American family. I could not disagree more with your description of the FBI as tyrannical. Uh, and you I don't think believe it's tyrannical that, that, that FBI agents were a part of storming a father's home in, the in suburban Philadelphia? I'm the Mr. Chairman. I'm the gentleman's expired. So you never, get, you never get to actually confront him. The time constraints there. Because mm -hmm. he was what, what Roy was talking about was the tyrannical incident that happened with the FBI. Yeah. And so he just changes it to, I will not say that the FBI is tyrannical uh -huh. overall in a broad sense. Uh-huh. Because the FBI does many good things. We're not talking about the good things. We know the FBI is a huge organization with many branches across the country. And many FBI agents do the right thing, including many of the whistleblowers that have looked at the FBI and said there's a ton of rot inside the FBI. And so there, you know, his statement is, oh, I disagree with it. Well, no. What about this? Well, I can't answer it. I won't second guess. So you're not going to make a judgment. You're so, the, the, you're saying when something wrong happens, I will, not, I will not make a judgment. Yeah. I will trust the people on the ground. I'm and not going to make a judgment. And I have nothing to do with it. Right. And I had nothing to do with it because I'm the FBI director. Right. And I won't judge it after it happens. And I won't tell you whether it's right or wrong. That's the kind of crap why people don't trust the damn FBI. He sounds just and, like and, and Comey. by the way, if there's absolutely a, just and, like Comey. And if there's FBI agents listening right now, they agree with me. Yeah, the good FBI agents agree. They go, no, that can't. You can't do that. And the House case was just, you know, a travesty of justice. And people don't know if this was a guy who was outside uh, in uh, an abortion uh, clinic with his son, mm -hmm. and a guy came up and started harassing his son, and basically he sort of touched him and pushed him away. Right. Because he was harassing his son. Mm -hmm. The locals came and said, there's no case here. Right. The FBI 
you know, let him know through his lawyer they were investigating him. And they said, and the lawyer said, well, if you want him to appear, he'll be there. We will voluntarily surrender. Right. If you plan on arresting him, he will voluntarily sur- voluntary surrender. This was a touch and a push. And the jury, the the one, local prosecutors wouldn't do it. And the jury, when the FBI brought it to him, kicked it out in an hour. It right. was gone. Right. He was acquitted. And the FBI goes after with with him and then shows up with guns and everything else early in the morning in front of his kids. Right. And the FBI director will not answer whether that was the right call or the wrong call because I trust my people on the ground. Well, your job is to judge what your damn FBI is doing. Well, this is this is your entire job. And to try and wash your hands of it and 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 make the point that you weren't there. I trust the agents that were on the ground. I wasn't there. Yeah, you were. You are everywhere an FBI agent goes. Yeah. Yeah. Buck stops with you. Yep. And Chris Christie's out again yesterday talking about the great job. That the, I did see a bunch of social media. Is Chris, Chris, does Chris Christie understand he's running in a Republican you know, primary? It, it was <laughs> so weird because yesterday on the, on the show... I thought to myself, Chris Christie, I almost said it. How far will Chris Christie go to defend Christopher Ray? Because Ray was going to testify on Wednesday. I almost actually made a joke about it. And he delivered the punchline. I know. He did it again yesterday. It was like, seriously. What? Yeah. You have to hold them accountable. I don't care who they are. I don't care who appointed them. No, neither do I. I, I this is it's not about it, this isn't about whether you're a Democrat or Republican. No, no. it's it's a, a abuse of power. It's mm-hmm. two tier form of justice. Those are the things that we're uh, concerned with. It's intimidating politically because of, of politics. It's attempting to intimidate American citizens who have done nothing wrong. Well, and with the that's Hauk what thing, it's about. With the Hauk thing, you you also couple it with the parents going to school board meetings yep. and FBI agents sitting out in the parking lot and taking their license plate numbers. You're talking about roughly the same time frame over the last few years. This has become the mo of FBI leadership, which is Christopher Ray. It's an, just an abomination that he would sit there and say that. If you yeah. if you know where the if you want to know where the rot is, it begins with Christopher Ray. Well, he just and said that he, he just condoned proved, he, he right. condoned how yes. they carried out the arrest of Hauk. Yeah, he just said it. Right. I'm not going to second guess it. Right. So you condone it. So you condone it because he did not come out and and say. No, that was wrong for them to do. That approach should not have been taken. Uh, the, the the boss isn't supposed to second guess what his employees do. Yeah, well, I, that does That's not how the world works. Right. That alone gets you fired. Right. Exactly. In in my world, that gets you fired. Absolutely. Oh no, I'm the boss, but I don't second guess anything my employees I, do. I don't second guess what they're doing on the ground. Well, they did this though. Is it no? I don't second guess. Well, even you, if it's wrong, then you no. condone it. Yeah, then you condone. That's it. your rubber stamp right there. Eight six six ninety red eye. 
Smart owner-operators make every single week as profitable as possible. One trip is not enough time to be considered profitable or unprofitable, and an entire month may be too much time to manage. One week is the right amount of time to deal with efficiently. To do so, look at the advantages and disadvantages of every day of the week. Match trip length to the optimum day of the week. Plan to deliver on the day you have the best opportunity of getting a load. Your personal weekly plan will vary depending on the weekly delivery flow cycle of your region, typical length of haul, personal requirements, and other factors. What's important is to have a specific weekly plan that helps you be successful. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website. For more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I think, you know, that was very important. Uh, there, you know, a lot of it, you didn't get a lot. Things didn't really change much with the testimony of Ray yesterday. It was mm. sort of the typical back and forth that we've already seen. Yeah. We've seen that uh, over the last year uh, already. But I think that was a very important moment from uh, Chip Roy uh, I wish that he could have gone further in that and said, excuse me, if you're saying you're not second guessing, then you're saying you approve of what they did. Yeah. Or, no, or, that's or it. because the other the other the your other uh, your, the, the only other possibility is the fact that, you know, they did wrong, but you're not going to tell them. So you're saying you approve. And you will not challenge wrong FBI behavior. It's one or the other. Look, if you're not going to correct it in any way, then you condone it and you own it. As director, you have to. That's the way it goes. I'm not going to question what they do on the ground. Nobody's questioning what they do on the ground. We're talking about your leadership. That's why you're here. We're literally questioning your leadership leadership. today. Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Sarah Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, so I'm chuckling over this story here. Yeah, what do you got? CNN apologizes after LGBTQ activist rage at network for misgendering Dylan Mulvaney. CNN anchor Kate uh, Bolden apologized Wednesday 
after a correspondent allegedly misgendered trans women and biological male Dylan Mulvaney. Multiple LGBTQ Twitter activists ripped a Tuesday segment on CNN News Central during which Ryan Young reported on the ongoing backlash against Bud Light for making the trans activist a brand spokesperson after Young referred to Mulvaney as he twice. The anchor took a moment on the air the next day to say, we apologize for that error, but there was no error. No. We have stated this a number of conservative outlets. We've seen Fox, New York Post, mm-hmm. uh, rail against the radical transgender movement and the concept that a biological male can be a biological female, yet at the same time, they will use the preferred pronoun of that person, mm-hmm. which by definition sets the sexuality of that person. Right. Sets the sex of that person, not sexuality. The sex of that person. Well, especially in, in reporting, because the idea is is to cause that confusion. To label he as she... And then when they write the story that way, and then they have to go back, someone has to correct something, and the reader's going, well, wait a minute. Is it a he or a she? Right. Is this person a biological male or a biological female? And it's important in the reporting. For accuracy. Well, so that you're the consumer of that news product, whatever it is, knows what you're talking about. Because if you say she wants to compete with other females in sports, people go, okay, then she should do that. Right. If you say he wants to compete with females, there's where the question comes in. So if you're not going to report it accurately, then it doesn't make any sense. And you don't have a point to make if you're going to editorialize at all. Then there's not a point to make unless you're talking about the differences. Right. The left doesn't want you doing that. I don't care what the left wants. No. If we're having a discussion about it, and you're saying he wants to play on my daughter's team, I'm going to say, no, I don't think he should be able to. It's not that difficult. If they change their name, they change their name. That's fine. However they want to live their life, they can live their life. But but when we get to this point, then you get to the point of, you know, when a, a, a almost said major news organization, but it's CNN. When a news organization, formerly a major news organization, has to go back, feels like they have to go back and correct themselves. Then you get closer to the public sentiment. This is how this all works. The sensibilities change in society. And then after everybody's been doing it for a period of time. 
when someone says, well, no, I'm going to call him a he. And then everybody in the room gasps and can't believe you just did that. You must be really old because only old people are bigots. And that's how that works. They change the sensibilities of people so they can get the political will to change the laws surrounding the language, which is changing the First Amendment. It's all it's all the the, a a part of the uh, of of the left to, uh, number one, change the meaning of words, change definition of words uh, in order to confuse people. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it, you know. Anti-racism is now actually racism. Right. <clears throat> Anti-racism is the belief that you judge people by groups. Yeah. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm. And when you actually get through it to the the and the average person doesn't go through their day thinking about that. We do. That's right. what we do for a living. Yeah. And so we pay attention to these things. And <laughs> as Rush Limbaugh said, words mean something. Yeah. Words have a meaning. And as we know, the uh, the left doesn't want, they want words to mean whatever will push their narrative forward at that particular moment. And we have seen the hilarious juxtaposition of the, uh, of the left and the radical transgender uh, activist movement just on the fact that they can't decide where they even stand on sex versus gender. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever questions them on it. Well, if you do question them on it, the, you'll be considered transphobic, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. We'll simply say, fine, you're a misogynist. Right. So we can play We can play the name-calling all day with the, with the radical transgender activist movement. Now let's get to the reality of biological science. Right. I can have compassion for anyone that is having problems understanding what they are. And I'll defend any adult who wants to live the life they that wish they to want to live. Right. You do that it. is none of my business. Right. But when you state that I must not tell the truth... Or you will destroy my life. Well, that's where it sort of ends with us. Well, because you're recruiting me, you're folding me in on this movement that will only lead to laws being changed that will be structured around controlling language. And it's already being tried. It's all, We're already there. And I will not be a part of that. No. And and we know it's funny because we know our audience is sensitive to it because we stated that from, you know, day one. Look, if if uh, you you wish to change your name legally, that's fine. I'll call you by what your name is yeah, because your name can be whatever you wish it to be. Sure. But your pronoun. The he or she which defines the sex that you are the biological sex that you are, that isn't debatable with us. Right. I know Jordan Peterson said, well, 
you know, we may we may do that uh, if, you know, we have a conversation personally. I would disagree with Jordan Peterson on that. I would not. Mm-hmm. Because you aren't going to get me to lie. You're not going to get me to not tell the truth because it may hurt your feelings. Because right. that's what the argument is from the left. If you don't do it, you'll hurt their feelings and they'll commit suicide. That's the threat. And that's why you promote violence if you won't use the right pronoun. Well, I'm not promoting violence. I'm simply looking for biological truth, scientific truth, and the words that define scientific truth. That's it. Right. Nothing personal. No. In the arena of ideas, I will tell you that you are wrong. If your argument is it doesn't matter whether I'm wrong, you hurt my feelings and therefore I'll commit suicide, that is not a argument of reason. Right. Correct. End of story. And I know that our audience is sensitive on it because a couple of times we've been reading from an article that has, you know, said that and then backed up. You know, we, we've said it and a couple of times got caught where we didn't say, oop, they said he. And our audience said, you just said, well, actually, we didn't say it. We were reading yeah. an article. Right. right. And once in a while, the the word will slip through. But that's the whole point, though. And that's why our audience is sensitive to it, because they see it happening and they want it called out every single time, as we want it called out every single time we see it. But with the number of articles we read, I think once or twice it slipped. Yeah. Where we didn't correct the the article when they said, you know, for example, uh, Dylan Mulvaney, she, and we might have read it from the article, but. And when somebody's brought it up, we go, great point. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. You know, Sorry we missed sure. it. But everybody knows where we stand on it, and it's nothing personal. It's simply, if you say to us, we must lie, because that's what you're saying. We mm-hmm. must lie so we don't hurt somebody's feelings because they may harm themselves, then there's no business us doing even doing a talk show. Right, because everybody, everybody is offended by everything these days, which would be exactly what they would want to do. Exactly. Either, either agree with our narrative or shut up. Exactly. You you should be shut down. Right. Well, sorry, it doesn't work that way in the real world. No, it does not. No, it does not. So, uh, and, you know, they get into, I just, let me see in this Fox article whether they use the the pronoun or not, or whether they look to, a, a, I wonder how many media outlets are looking to avoid it just using mm. the name of the person. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, talking about his interviews, young misgendered Mulvaney twice. He said one bar was telling us that they're not going to serve Bud Light because they don't like the way Dylan Mulvaney. Okay. They go through it here. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't see it where they've actually in the story done it. We've seen it in the New York post though. Constantly. Yeah. New right. York Post constantly will rail against the liberal transgender activist movement and then use the proper, we'll use that person's preferred pronoun, right? which, again, is defeating your entire argument of writing a story that way. Yeah, exactly. Which confuses me. Yep. It's, uh, and, and again, you know, we discuss the issues. The people come and go, the ideas. Right. 
remain. And 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 this is what it, that's what it comes down to. Is that you start pressuring the media, you start changing the sensibilities to where there is more public pressure to start changing the laws when it comes to pronouns. Controlling speech. Yep. With a with a threat of punishment by the government mandating speech. Yep. And we control seen, the speech, you control the ideas. Yeah, we, we've seen what happened in in uh, in in uh, in Canada. Yep. Actually, the jailing of the one parent for not using the proper child, the, the excuse me, the what they say is the proper pronoun, the right. proper preferred right. uh, pronoun for the child. Right. And the father said, no, nope, not going to do it. Well, then <laughs> you're going to jail for contempt of court. Right. Because the judge has ordered you to do that. I don't give a damn whether a judge orders me to do it. Right. A judge isn't going to order me to lie. Right. And that was his, that was, I don't know whatever happened. I believe he probably got out, but I don't know. Yeah, what, I don't I remember. I don't know what happened. That was about a year ago, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. a little longer. Yeah. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, Coming up following the top of the hour, wow, mm-hmm. we could have an actor's writer's strike. We have a writer's strike, but now an actor's strike that could shut down everything. Well, all right then. I guess we'll just have to go back to watching the same old crap. <laughs> well, all right. Fine. Uh, um, we'll tell you what the actors are looking for. And AI is one thing. They say the studios aren't going to budge on. Well, or they have the, the studios have said they won't budge on AI. They're, but, they're, you know, in terms of actors, they already know that. Although some actors are able to, depends on, you know, what your box office is, the bigger, you know, you, you are the more influence you have over something like that, because there was a discussion, I forget who the actor was, and they said, you know, actually we had to go back and make sure they weren't going to use certain things, like the whole uh, de-aging AI. Mm -hmm. You know, they've used that. They used it in the recent uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. Uh, They've used it before. I just assumed that was going to be a part of it going forward and that if you want that actor or their image in that movie, they're going to have to negotiate that and how it's going to be portrayed. And also coming up, one of the, I think, worst emails for the president and Hunter Biden released yesterday. We'll get to that coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. 
Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Carley. Finally, after 2 a.m. in the morning central time here in North Texas, we are finally under 90 degrees. <laughs> yeah, but the heat index is still, what was it I saw <laughs> an hour ago? Uh, let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't say heat index. You have to say feels like. The feels like temperature because we're all children. Temperatures have feelings. That's right. 98. Heat index of 98. So after when, 2 a.m. So when I went into the garage and went into my car to come into work, 1030. The temperature inside my garage and the garage door was open for a couple of seconds, too. So maybe some heat escaped was 108 at 1030 at night mm. inside my garage. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's bad. My cat, who really the last couple of months since it's gotten warmer, just loves being in the garage, loves Mm -hmm. the heat. Mm -hmm. She even came in yesterday after about five minutes. She'll sit out there for five hours. The temperature will be like, will be 100 there, between 100 and 105, and she loves it. Mm. I believe it got too hot for the cat. But the wind was blowing. That's the only thing I care about. I wake up and go, do I hear the wind blowing? Okay, we'll have power today. <laughs> yeah, and your turbine vents, uh, if you have them, and your to cool your attic will work harder in the wind, of course. And yes, that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Drawing the hot air out of the attic. Your attic is filled with a lot of wood. That wood gets very hot. You know, thinking about all of that, because I saw that explained one time, it was years ago, but I thought, well, isn't there, I mean, there's a ton of stuff you can use in your attic. Uh, There's one guy on YouTube, his company, like, seals the attic, and then they put in all of the insulation, and everything's insulated. And I thought, all right, that's that's one way to go. I mean, it's going to cost you a little money, but it's likely going to pay for itself. I have an older home. It was built in 1968. There's not a chance in hell you're going to seal my attic. <laughs> Just not going to happen. No, it's, you know, I've done a lot, actually, over the years. Um, But I thought to myself, but isn't there, you know, the the thing is, is that, when you're building a home, uh, and you know this, you built one 15, 16, 17? Uh, it would have been uh, 17 years ago it was, yeah. it was starting to be built. And uh, so, you know, there are things you can do. You you can go in and work with the builder and say, okay, I want this instead of that. Uh, we have a friend, a colleague uh, that works downtown at our flagship station, WBAP. And they were they he did a down to the bones remodel on on their house, which is an older home. And he did all types of insulation and spray foam and all of it. I mean, he just did 
that house is just airtight. Um, but I thought, you know, is there is there a new material, you know, to be used? I mean, when it comes to building homes, it's going to be, you know, uh, brick, mortar, and wood, really, um, for the foreseeable future. But I do wonder about, all right, better insulation um, and also not compromising the integrity of the structure. Uh, there are a number of, of things you can do. Attic vents themselves are are different. You see the apex vents. You may mm-hmm. have that, and mm-hmm. your house is built uh, in uh, in a newer time. And a lot of those houses, uh, my dad got a new roof, and he went with an apex vent. Yeah, I've got the apex vents, and you have, you know, where the where the gutters are, where it comes mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. That's all vented there, right, right, all around the entire house. Yeah, so. I I installed my I I did my own on that. The I did the um the soffit vents. I installed eighteen on my home, and it made this is when I first moved in. So almost twenty years ago, uh, it made a huge difference because the cooler air down below rises, uh, or the mm-hmm. warm air rises, but it brings that cooler air through the attic and and creates that draw. So that that hot air is leaving the attic. But when the hot when the cool air is one hundred and five, right? The, the cooler of the air. Well, you know, you get in your car if it's been sitting in the sun for any amount of time, and you have to roll your windows down yeah, because exactly. even if it's one hundred and three outside, it's it's warmer in the car. You know what I had the other day? Hmm. Uh, I'm I'm uh, planning. I mean, it's something I was going to do uh, after COVID, and it's just. The supply chains weren't there, and a bunch of stuff came up, and I just didn't do it. But I'm getting my whole my whole pool deck redone, repainted. The stone has to be replaced. It's a pretty expensive job. Mm. Uh, and then they're going to uh, go into the pool. The plaster in the pool is fine, and uh, but I'm going to get it acid washed and everything else to bring the color back. And so I have to empty it, but I don't want to do it until really September comes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have an empty pool that they're working on for a couple of weeks. In August, yeah. Wait until yeah. you're not using it as yeah. much. Not just, yeah. and but I'm still just clearing off because I have to clear off. So I've already been just cleaning everything off, and so I've got, you know, the uh, the uh, the the big pool box that has mm-hmm. all your pool stuff in it. You know, hoses and and cushions for the the chairs out there and all that. You know, and yeah. I opened it up, opened it up a couple of days ago. Like fifty wasps come flying out. I'm yeah. Like, oh no. Mm-hmm. And so I spent the last couple. Of, I finally, because you can't get near it. I mean, I had to take a pole and lift it up. There were so, there were so many wasps. Yeah. And and yeah. finally, I found the uh, under one of you know just I had cushions you know cushions for the chairs. Right. Yeah. You know and and it attached to and it was a it was one of the biggest wasp nests. I've ever seen, and I finally completely killed it yesterday. There were still, I don't know, five or six wasps still hanging in there, and so finally I was able to get the wasp, you know, stuff yeah. on it, the the poison, and boom, right. they're gone. But yeah. that was really interesting, and I I don't know why I became brave, but I was sitting out there just in my bathing suit, and when I was teasing it the other day, trying to see how many. And all of a sudden, these 50 wasps, they're flying all over the place. I just stood there and didn't move. And they're flying around me and never landed on yeah. me. It's like, yeah. just don't move, just don't move, just don't move, just don't move. And none ever landed on me. But it was really interesting at that point 
Because I wasps, they sting you. That hurts. Yeah, That's- I um, I ran into a nest inside of some ivy. This goes back several years. The last time I was attacked, and I'm allergic, so I have to immediately go in and take medication. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. and so I didn't see the nest inside this ivy. But, of course, the machinery I was using to clear that that area was loud, and I was the source of agitation. So standing there was not going to be, you know, I was, I was, you know, had the machine in my hand. So as far as they're concerned, I was the one making all the noise and wrecking their, their home, and uh, they came straight after me. I didn't see the first one. I felt it. And there were two more after that that got me uh, before I was able to uh, get get out of the, you know, the, the swarm and go into the house. I didn't want to take the swarm in with me, of course. And, uh, yeah, that was a bit. Yeah, that's, that would always worry me because I always keep, if I'm cutting the back door, there's always a door open. Yeah. Or if I'm cutting the front lawn, there's always a door open. If I'm cutting the back lawn, the do- door's always open. And it's just... Just the possibility of killer bees because you want that escape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you know you don't have long. Once you get that one sting, it's like, don't even think about it. You run into the house yeah, because they pass the message along to the other bees. And- well, my uh, my daughter is also allergic, and so I, I couldn't, I can't take that risk. And, and it's when you don't see them first, because I couldn't hear anything yeah, because my machinery was going. And when I felt it, I knew it. I you, There's no mistaking. Oh. And so I turned the machinery off and then, and then backed away. And then a few of them were around my head. And I could see, okay, it's wasps. And now I'm basically aiming for the street. And I go toward the street. I was thinking about jumping inside my truck. Uh, but I went toward the street. Um, they they followed a, a handful of them followed me, and then I basically ran to the other side of the house where I was able to go inside. But two others got me before then. Uh, when I was eight or nine years old, hiking with my father and my uncle, and there's all these real thin dead trees, and I'm just hitting them with a the big stick. There was a hornet's nest in one of them. Yeah. My God. Uh I ran, my my uncle, I don't believe, got any stings at all. My father only got a few. Hmm. They knew exactly where they were going. Yeah. And I probably ended up with 30 stings on my face mm-hmm. as an eight, nine-year-old. Hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, and not allergic. So, I mean, it's, it was gone. I, I remember, I remember them, you know, looking at all the, you know, the stings on my face. Didn't go to the hospital or anything. Back then, you know, back then you didn't go to the hospital. You said, walk it off. Yeah, right. <laughs> the swelling will probably go down. Just don't yeah. try and put a hat on. Yeah, walk it off, Gary. Come on, stop, <laughs> stop complaining. Stop whining. Well, deal with it. <laughs> the jellyfish while on vacation oh. was was all new because I think I've been hit by jellyfish before. This one was especially painful. And I thought to myself, and it's what's interesting is we were talking about it. And, of course, your phone always listens. 
And later that day, an article came up about jellyfish on that very beach where we were. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, the next day, I actually we actually spotted some. My wife actually spotted them. We weren't seeing like huge groups of them. When you when you'll see when people will tell you either they're washed up on the shore or you'll see them in the water and it's like okay don't don't go in this was just a seemed to be a typical amount of jellyfish i didn't see any i didn't see this one and but you man the sting goes on for a little bit it's not it's not horrible but my daughter my oldest daughter was telling me the story she went on a cruise and they were at an excursion and she went swimming and she thought that seaweed had wrapped around her waist and it was the tentacles of a jellyfish. Oh! Yeah. And she oh. said that was painful and she's given birth multiple oh. times. Well, I, as I uh, told you, the video that was out the other day from Navarre, Florida, where I used to live. The, of the shark weaving through people. Yeah. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And it was it, so huge. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it looked I like believe. a scene from Jaws. But it didn't seem like the shark had any interest. It was nope. just going through. Nope. The it people, was not it wasn't, coming toward the crowd right. at all. It wasn't coming. It was just like weaving through whatever. And people are screaming on the, sh- the shore. I mean, it was like watching Jaws. Right. Yeah, and, it really you, was. and you could see that fin moving through and then the you know the, the, the top, whatever they call it. The, the dorsal, line, the mm-hmm. dorsal, mm-hmm. and then you know the 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 back fins. You could see, it and you're like, "That's a big shark," yeah. and that's exactly yeah. where I had my encounter with the shark back in 1980, the summer of '84. Yeah, but the thing that's, I remember the shark again. The 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 back of the shark just touching me, and it was a very small shark. And I went, I saw the dorsal, and I was, yeah, yeah. I I did the, uh, I I don't care who. What I could have beat uh, uh, Michael Phelps that day mm-hmm. yeah. swimming back to shore. Right. But what got me more was one time when we were out there, and we would just sit there when there, were, there were, when there was a tropical storm out in the Gulf. You know, you'd be waiting for that because you wanted to, you know, you wanted to body surf. You'd mm-hmm. get those, you know, five, six, seven-foot waves, and it's very rare. And so you really, you'd sit out there, you'd tread water for six hours to catch just a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting out there treading water, probably in about ten feet. And the waves are going up and down, so you're you're going up, and then you're coming down. And you can even hit the sand, and then go back up again. This guy let out a scream, probably about twenty people down from me. It was a scream. I mean, it was. I thought he had gotten bit by a shark, mm-hmm. and I'm swimming in. It was jellyfish. Yeah, got him, and I was like, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done for the day. I'm not going out. Yeah, mine was just one. And it was, yeah, you know, it was, I wasn't a, a huge problem for me. I can't imagine if you get inside a school of jellyfish, man, and, and you get hit multiple times. Oh, I can't it's imagine gonna that. Be, no. It's going to no. be horrible. As I've said, I, I don't believe the rest of my life I will ever be in a natural body of water. <laughs> yeah, I, I still don't mind. I mean, I went back out uh, that day. Um, that was about an hour later. Um, I... For something, for some reason, I love going into the ocean. I love swimming in the ocean. Yeah, the only problem I want in water anymore is maybe, you know, some duck crap in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only threat. 
That's the only threat. I'm That's your only threat. It's only threat when it comes to, to getting with, into water, right. yeah. except if a snake gets in the pool and gets caught in the. But yeah. that's never happened yeah. in, in in my pool. I can't believe I've never seen a snake where I live, and where I used to live in North, basically in North Grand Prairie, right near North Arlington, mm-hmm. where the Arlington swamps are. Yeah. Now a lot of it's become subdivision in the last fifteen years. Yeah. But I used to see snakes all the time. I mean, snakes. You had water moccasins waiting on my porch for me when I would get home. Yeah. Yeah, just don't. don't I a, haven't seen any coyote right near my porch the other morning. That was, was like, dude, what are you doing? Don't leave the baby out. Nope. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cardin. I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on in the bottom of the hour, uh, the IRS whistleblowers to testify next week. That is Shapley and Whistleblower X. Hmm. I think right. if, what, if, is the whistleblower is open testimony? X. They testify at our committee next week. Hmm. They're going to blur out the face? Or just wear a COVID mask. <laughs> yeah, that works for everything now, right? Uh. Uh, it came out yesterday, uh, IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley mm. and whistleblower X will testify at our committee next week. These whistleblowers have provided information about the Justice Department refusal to follow evidence that implicated Joe Biden tipped and tipped off Hunter Biden's now, attorneys. They could do it by by computer with, you know, their face blurred and their voice distorted. So or. Shapley's Aaron whistleblower X is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's and, what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, either just the video or just mm-hmm. the audio mm-hmm. or right. Whatever where whistleblower right. X can, that really is interesting. So we'll get to uh, that. And also the, uh, the, this email that came out, you know, we talked about that. It's more than just drip, drip, drip a couple of times a week. It's like, boom. Well, this email that came out yesterday, not a lot of publicity in the general media, but it's like, Oh, because this is actually a representative Barisma, yeah, talking to, uh, you know, talking to uh, to, to Hunter, uh, Devin Archer, and a couple of other associates mm-hmm. about specifically what the plan is, and the plan is to get you high U.S. government officials to do whatever they can to help the president of Barisma. Against prosecutors. Right. And it's actually lined out Mm. in it. And there was, you know, you've got Republicans now saying this is the email that the president has to resign. Mm. Well, this shows intent. He's not going to resign over this. No. But this does show the intent in the communications between Burisma, who was paying Hunter Biden. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 
And he's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. So uh, here's the headline, Eric. Republicans erupt over 25th email exposing ultimate purpose of Hunter's involvement with Burisma. Representative Clay Higgins, President Biden should resign and be forever condemned. Well, it's quite a long time, hmm. forever. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's... Like, yeah, it's uh... Uh, but uh, just to read this from Fox, Republican lawmakers erupted Tuesday after learning about a 2015 email chain that predated President Biden's infamous 2015 trip to Ukraine when a Burisma Holdings executive revealed the ultimate purpose of Holt, uh, Hunter Biden's involvement with the Ukrainian energy company. One month before, then Vice President Joe Biden traveled to Ukraine where he threatened to withhold $1 billion in USAID if Ukrainian leaders did not fire their top prosecutor, this is one month before, Hunter Biden and Burisma executives were discussing executing a contract for counter-messaging against any federal investigations into Burisma's founder and then president. The uh, and, and, and using high U.S. officials to do it. Right. The sequence of events that led to the firing of Victor Shokin and the subsequent comments by then Vice President Biden raises serious concerns as uh, to what was really at play and were purposely concealed from the American public, said Representative Virginia Fox, who sits on the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, told Fox News Digital, no matter how you slice Hunter Biden's involvement, it screams public corruption at the highest levels and must be fully investigated. All right, so that's you, you may sit there and say, well, okay, that's just the rhetoric from Republicans. What does it say in the email? You know, it starts out, dear colleagues, and it's sent to Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, and Eric Schwerin, and it comes uh, from uh, an executive of Burisma, mm-hmm. uh, Vadim Pozarski. Uh, and it's revised Burisma proposal, contract, and invoice. You know, hope you're all doing well. Thanks. Uh, thank you for the documents provided. I've analyzed them most carefully and came up with the following observations. The first thing is the suggested scope of work is largely lacking concrete, uh, concrete, tangible results that we set out to achieve in the first place, mostly focusing on the process. It also doesn't offer any names of top U.S. officials here in Ukraine, for instance, U.S. ambassador or Ukrainian officials, uh, as, uh, uh, like the president of Ukraine, chief of staff, prosecutor general, as t- car- targets to improve Nikolai's case and his situation in Ukraine. Now, that's talking about the head of Burisma. Mm-hmm. It, however, uh, if, however, this was done deliberately to be on the safe and cautious side, I can understand the rationale. And if all parties, in fact, understand the true purpose of the engagement and our joint efforts, it's okay, and we should proceed immediately. My only concern is for us to be on the same page, our final goals. With this in mind, I would like to formulate a list of deliverables, including but not limited to a concrete course, the concrete course of actions, including meetings and communications resulting in high-ranking U.S. officials in Ukraine in parentheses, the U.S. ambassador, and in the U.S. publicly or in private communication comment expressing their positive opinion for support of Nikolay Burisma 
to the highest level of decision makers here in Ukraine. The scope of the work should also include organization of a visit of a number of widely recognized and influential current and former U.S. policymakers to Ukraine in November aimed to conduct meetings with and to bring positive signal message and support on Nikolay's issue to the Ukrainian top officials above the ultimate purpose to close down any cases and pursuits against Nikolai in Ukraine. With the ultimate purpose to close down any cases or pursuits against Nikolai in Ukraine. Wow. And that was November 2nd. Less than a month later is when he went there, when Biden went there. And the whole purpose is here, is we need to get the highest-ranking U.S. officials we can with their positive opinion and support for the president of Burisma and convince the highest decision-makers in Ukraine that they should do so. This is the first email that I've seen that directly gives the intent of why they were paying Hunter Biden. Right. It spells it out. It spells it out. What they wanted. Yep. Hunter Biden couldn't do any of that on his own. No. And this is when, uh, as we know, uh, Biden was still vice president. Right. Right there is the quid pro quo, is the intent of the quid pro quo right there. The rest is following the money. Yep. As we said from the beginning, and according to Comer, we're supposed to see some documents, more bank documents next week. Yep. It's really amazing. Upon joining Burisma, Hunter Biden reportedly connected the company with Blue Star Strategies to help the firm fight corruption charges leveled against the president of Burisma. Hmm. The firm reportedly came under federal. And remember, too, all of this is why Trump was impeached the first time. Right. Which, again, brings me back, since all these things we're finding out are true, which brings me back was the impeachment of the was with the impeachment and i may be i may be playing conspiracy theories but this is where you would go if you were an investigator you'd go my god so everything that trump was saying we need to investigate this was true yeah the intent of burisma paying hunter biden was to get his father to convince and use his power to stop the investigation of the president of Burisma. Right. And that's what he did by getting, is it Sorkin? I can't think of the guy's name. The the, the prosecutor mm-hmm. fired. Fired. And right. then Biden bragged, bragged about, about it doing. afterwards. So a couple of things. So Trump on the phone call with the incoming president of Ukraine. Get something done. Follow through on your campaign promises to go after the corruption. 
and mentioned the whole thing with Burisma. Trump is one a lot of people may ignore something like that. Trump doesn't have a problem speaking about anything. We know that about him if you know anything about him. He knew that that phone call was populated by a number of individuals. He knew people were listening. And he says, you need to do something about this corruption. We, we expect you to look into something, look into this stuff. So you have that where, according to I don't know how many sources now that are all involved in this directly, people knew about this back then, right? People knew back when uh, Biden was still vice president. It was known. And there was concern about Biden's behavior in this regard. Well, so many people, we've talked about the Democrats who haven't said a thing about it. How is that not a liability? Well, you look at how it played out in 2016. Biden was not the nominee. Hillary was. And then in 2020, who was the last major endorsement for Biden? Barack Obama. Obama. His his, uh, former boss. The point being is that this was known back there, back then, and Trump knew about it. And he talked about it on that phone call that was populated by other individuals, and he knew they were on the phone call. He knew they were listening. He didn't mind talking about it, and he shouldn't have. Which, which again, brings me to the thing was the was the intensity of wanting to because that was the, you and I always sat back and went, wow, they, this isn't impeachable. They no should be, and and just the process that they went through where you actually had uh, uh, it was Gerald Nadler mm. who said you can't do this. You can't. You can't this. this is unconstitutional. What right. you're doing to Trump, right? That Nadler said that, right? And we were like, why are they so insistent that this is the thing? Well, you're getting real close to the actual corruption. That's the problem that and was going on. It, was it, was that the fear? Now right. there was more emails you had. For example, uh, you had uh, uh, let me see, Schwerin write to Hunter Biden and Archer that same day uh, after that email came out. I would tell uh, uh, Vadim, which is the Burisma executive, that this is definitely done deliberately, being vague about you know who they're going to get right. to actually you know convince the Ukrainian government not to be going after him. What U.S. officials, uh, he said, I would tell Adam that this is definitely done deliberately to be on the safe and cautious side Mm. and that Sally and company understand the scope and deliverables. Schwerin wrote to Hunter Biden Archer the same day forwarding uh, the the message and and that we will be having regular daily, weekly, monthly opportunities uh, be through conference calls or memos to be continually refined and updating in scope. Hunter Biden responded saying he wanted to have one last conversation with Blue Star, but later said he was comfortable with Blue Star. You should go ahead and sign, he wrote on November 5th. Looking forward to getting started on this. The email exchange came one month before then Vice President Biden traveled to Ukraine's capital of Kiev, where he gave a speech 
about rooting out corruption in politics ahead of the trip. An associate of Blue Star Strategies emailed Blue Star executives Hunter Biden, Archer, uh, and Pozarski about a White House conference call uh, that outlined the trip's agenda and addressed several questions regarding U.S. policy towards Ukraine. During the trip, Biden pressured Ukrainian officials to fire Shokin, the prosecutor investigating uh, the head of Burisma at the time. Shokin was fired less than four months later in March of 2016. In February 2016, roughly two months after Biden's trip and two months before Shokin's firing, Hunter Biden thanked the president of Burisma in an email for the beautiful birthday gifts, which he described as far too extravagant. It's unclear what he received from the Ukrainian tycoon. Biden would later boast on camera in 2018 that when he was vice president, he successfully pressured Ukraine to fire Shokin. The White House has repeatedly said Biden put pressure on Ukraine to fire Shokin because he was too lax on prosecuting corruption. However, the Oversight Committee told Fox News Digital the timing of the events is more than just a coincidence. Mm -hmm. So there you go. I don't think Biden fired had Shokin fired because he was too lax on corruption. I think Biden had him fired to cover his own tail when it comes to the Biden's family's shady business dealings in Ukraine and because Shokin was looking into the president of Burisma very seriously. That's the other thing. Did he fire Shokin? Did they fire Shokin? They pressure to do it to cover his own tracks with other deals, Biden's right. own tracks. Right. Wow. Wow. That's the most, I mean, everything leads up to this point, but that's still the most damning email so far. That's still the most damning That put together a number of the pieces of the puzzle. Yep. That shows you the setup for the quid pro quo. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, you know, you you look at that email that came out yesterday, and that's more than just a drip, drip, drip. I mean, that's like yeah. it was like, whoa, okay. We now know you have the communication back and forth uh, between Hunter uh, and the the representative of Burisma mm-hmm. concerning precisely what they want right. Hunter Biden and his group to do, and that is get U.S. officials to pressure Ukrainian officials right. on the, uh, the the prosecutor and to have U.S. officials not only, you know, pressure and 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 get uh, Ukrainian officials to change their minds on Burisma, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, to... Um, um, uh, oh, just to say positive things about them. Yeah, to show favoritism. To, to show favoritism towards right. them. Yeah. So not just to put pressure on them, but to say publicly positive things right. towards the whole Burisma situation. And so, we know what Biden said about getting the prosecutor fired. You know, so it's all in line. What's next is the question. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. You know, as we talk about that, the uh, chain of emails that uh, came out yesterday, which clearly shows the uh, intent of uh, the the uh, uh, high-ranking official in Burisma uh, and uh, and Hunter Biden mm-hmm. and his uh, group, it clearly shows what they want. It lays out exactly what they want. Right? Uh, they want high-ranking U.S. officials to pressure Ukrainian officials to have a much more positive. Uh, 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 I guess a much more positive uh, spin on uh, on Burisma and a lot of the and and they actually said that the things that weren't said because they as you said thank you for the documents provided uh, I've analyzed them more carefully and come up with the following observations the first thing is the suggested scope of work is largely uh, lacking concrete tangible results that we set out to achieve in the first place, mostly focusing on the process. Also, it doesn't offer any names of top U.S. officials here in Ukraine uh, or Ukrainian officials as key targets for improving the president of Burisma's case and his situation in Iraq. And then Schwerin writes back, you know, to them that, well, we did this on purpose because we don't want to give away, you know, what we plan on doing. You know, you look at that, and I just want to read what, what uh, more uh, Republicans said yesterday on this, because that is the that's an email that is definitely, if it's not a smoking gun, it's leading to the smoking gun. Yeah. Uh, I do want to get to what uh, uh, you had representatives. Here it is. Uh, this is Comer. Evidence makes it clear that Hunter Biden was only appointed to Burisma's board of directors because of his last name and family's network. Additionally, the FBI's uh, Biden bribery record detailing an alleged extortion and bribery scheme between then Vice President Biden and a Burisma executive in exchange for certain actions mirrors the purpose of Hunter Biden's appointment. The Department of Justice has been sitting on a mountain of evidence pointing to the Biden's corruption for years, but has been engaged in a cover-up. We need to root out this politicalization and misconduct at the Department of Justice and deliver answers, transparency, and accountability to the American people. The timeline in these emails further supports the conclusion that Burisma hired Hunter to gain access to his father, said Representative Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota. They wanted a U.S. policymaker to take their side, and they got Vice President Joe Biden, who was in charge of Ukraine policy for the Obama administration. These emails raise even more questions that need our answers. You know, when they said we didn't specifically get into the U.S. officials, right? and that was a concern of the Burisma executive, right? that's because the top U.S. official they were trying to get he was the vice president, who was in charge of Ukraine policy. Right. And Schwerin makes it clear, well, we don't want to give details and too much here, uh, you know, in the in the written form. Right. But who was it? It we was saw Biden. It, saw it happen a month later. It was Biden. That's who they wanted. 
That's as close as you can get to the President of the United States. Additional emails heighten concerns about the question of whether then Vice President Biden was aware of his son Hunter's engagement, said Representative Glenn uh, uh, Grothman of Wisconsin. Whether in Ukraine or China, it's difficult for Congress to rely on information from the executive branch with so many questions about whether our president and his family are compromised by foreign entities. Mm. The House Oversight Committee will continue conducting thorough investigations into the Biden family to determine the degree to which the Biden administration may be making decisions for reasons other than to best serve the American public. Uh, Said Representative Gozar of Arizona, it seems like every day there is a new headline on another revelation of corruption within the Biden uh, crime syndicate. The emails further establish bribery and corruption between Ukraine officials and the Bidens. In short, they are evidence of potential criminal activity by Joe, the big man Biden, and his son Hunter. Putting personal interests ahead of American interests is not just a dishonor of the office, but treasonous, he continued. It's a major scandal unprecedented in the annals of our history, and the House Oversight and Accountability Committee will investigate and expose as much of the ugly truth as possible, uh, said Representative Russell Fry of South Carolina. Yet again, it seems all roads lead to Hunter Biden's business dealing uh, business deals being directly tied to his father's position of power and influence. This adds to the long list of red flags surrounding Hunter and the Biden family that the oversight uh, committee has been working to uncover for the past six months. Uh, Representative William Timmons of South Carolina, everything we are uncovering points to Hunter Biden using his name and his father's position to get rich, said Representative William Timmons. It's bribery, and it's both wrong and illegal. House Democrats, the legacy media, and even top brass at the FBI and Department of Justice failed to do their job and investigate all the literal and figurative smoke that uh, that uh, clouds Hunter Biden. House Republicans will do our job and uncover the truth. So, I mean, you just had, whew, you just had, um, you know, everybody talking about it yesterday. It wasn't... It, you know, I, I really couldn't tell whether it was the biggest story yesterday because a lot of the focus was on Ray, but it seemed like this started this this started becoming a bigger story, at least in conservative circles, yesterday than the Ray testimony after you were getting what I think a lot of people expected, which was Ray really not answering any questions. Right. right. But this just does this does more damage. And to me, politically, this is a huge bombshell. And we use that term bombshell very mm-hmm. sparingly. Mm-hmm. No, this is a, as and, big as it will get. Because it directly, you've got a number of emails where they're discussing, okay, your entire, Hunter, your entire goal is to get U.S. officials Yep, to, to influence our politicians. <laughs> hey, that's why you're sitting on the board. And now? And that's, that's, that's why you're there. And less than a month later, his father was over there. And the entire thing was to pressure the prosecutor. Right. Who was, I mean, you could not, you could not, I, this is almost like, since you brought it up yesterday, this is almost like Matlock following. <laughs> well, no, it, it really is like a TV drama that, As, you know, that you're going to wrap up everything in one hour. It's, it's laid out for you thanks to this email. You know what the ask is. 
And we also know what Biden did when it comes to the prosecutor. Mm -hmm. And then bragged about it. Now follow the money. Yep. Follow the money. And so you can say all you want. You know, you can sit there as the the Democrats yesterday will not talk about the problems with the FBI. Simply, you know, the the old, they're a great organization. They have Mm. many great agents. Here's what Mm. they do, blah, 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 blah. We're not talking about the good that many agents do. We're talking about the rot in the senior management of the FBI. Right. That has the ability to control things because of politics. Right. That's what we're talking about. And, of course, the Democrats are trying to, they're they're going after, they claim that they don't want to defund the cops. No, this is because of the rot. And here's the difference. The American people know that the rot exists in the FBI. They know it does. Well, and they also, the American people believe that there was uh, money given to the Bidens for influence. Now, you, you put this puzzle together. This is a huge piece, several pieces, actually, that you put together here because it now is in the same timeline. You have the ask, essentially, from Burisma. What is it they wanted? Well, and in it, they weren't happy with what they were getting. Right. You know, we, we need to get more details on this. What U.S. officials are you going to be able to get? Right. Well, they want his father. That's who they want. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's who they got. Well, and and he delivered. Yeah. Uh, if if you had, and we said this months and ago. And bragged about it. We, we said this months ago, but if this evidence existed with Trump, he would have been impeached. It think, would have been yeah. over before right. it started long time ago on this and it just you know it, it shows you the uh the uh it it shows you the rot that exists and you just wonder the public understands it the democrats are denying that any of this remember all this here and this isn't the and it's important to say this over and over again the difference between russia collusion where the Democrats' allegation was Trump committed treason because Trump rigged the election with Russia's with, with Russia. That was their point. Putin, Trump rigged the election. They changed the outcome of the election. There were allegations, but there was never any evidence. There were source stories. There was the uh, the dossier, which we now know was debunked early on. Mm. We also know that the FBI ignored the fact that the intelligence agencies had told them Hillary Clinton is going to set up Trump by doing this, and it's exactly what she did. Exactly what they knew in Ju- July of 2016 is exactly what she did. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And what we found out was... The Democrats actually did what they were claiming Trump was doing. The rot was not Trump. The rot was Hillary Clinton and the DNC. Mm -hmm. Creating lies, manufacturing evidence 
to support the lie that was all bogus. Yeah. Selling it to the media, selling it to the FBI in order to investigate the Trump organization or excuse me, the, 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 the Trump campaign and then the Trump administration when he became president and all of it was false. But understand, it was predicated on the fact that we have allegations, but there was never any solid evidence. This is completely different. Right. All the evidence here did not come. None of it came from Republicans saying Biden took a bribe. That's not where it started. It all started in Hunter's own words with Hunter's own laptop. The evidence here is not allegations and trying to find evidence to be, to fit the narrative or to fit the lie. This was in Hunter's own words. Hunter's own emails. Mm-hmm. His business partner's own emails. Uh the the people that they were making deals with in their own emails. All of the financial transaction evidence started with suspicious activity reports that banks did, not Republicans. Banks did them, and the Treasury Department had all of them. All of the evidence is coming from whistleblowers in the IRS and the FBI who are saying They're not doing their job. None of this. So when you have Democrats come out and say, this is just the Republicans throwing out conspiracy theories, as they continue to say even today, none of the allegations were simply Republicans making the allegation without any evidence. All of it came from, (laughs) this is the incredible part, the the one of the key suspects who would be Hunter Biden. Right. Came from his laptop. The financial transaction reports came from suspicious activity reports that banks saw and flagged and gave to the Treasury Department because they said, okay, money laundering, something like this may be going on. And then finally, it was whistleblowers from the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the IRS that has come forward and said the corruption not to investigate this is in the FBI and the Department of Justice. I really have to wonder what Comer is going to show with more bank documents next week. Yeah. I am so curious. I can't wait to see what he has his hands on. And that's why this isn't going to go away. No, it isn't. Not about to. And then there's the cocaine. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We forgot about the cocaine. Oh, and leave your blow at the door. Yeah. Yeah. 86690 Red Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA safety compliance and enforcement program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, 
motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So this is all going to get really uh, uh, interesting now because uh, we just, each and every day, and remember, we're still over a year from the Democratic Convention. Yeah. I know there's already been, yeah. I know already the predictions are coming out that that uh, that uh, Biden's not going to run. He's He's going to withdraw eventually. You know, you think about this, this tightening, and then, you know, there, there's there been more since since he skipped that dinner. Yeah. Uh, the NATO dinner. Mm-hmm. There's been just, uh, on social media, uh, I think there's a concern from Democrats that this thing right here that's going on with the Hunter situation is bad enough. But the president can't even perform what are considered basic duties right. as a president. Right. He can't even have dinner anymore in a public setting with other international leaders. Right. He can't do the basics of his job. And they said because of his incredible busy schedule, he's been on vacation Almost forty percent of the time, right? The American public isn't buying it. No, they're Democrats not. aren't buying it. Did you hear Mika got all angry on Morning Joe? The other uh, day? okay, yeah. The aides should be helping him. They need to be protecting him. They need. She's like going uh-huh. crazy about it. Uh-huh. They see this is bad. It was always going to be this bad. There was no other conclusion, really, when you think about it. There's no other possibility. He does not have physically, he doesn't, and mentally doesn't have the stamina to do the job. It's very clear to everyone. And with everything going on, you know, traveling around the globe as a president is called on to do. Just is going to be uh, more and more taxing on him and at his age going to be more and more problematic. smart speakers say play red eye radio and if you're really nice she might 
Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Crony, and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight on one of our great radio stations that carries us. And thank you. Yeah. Uh, Matt Taibbi here, who's a lifelong liberal, asked the question yesterday, and we've asked this on a variety of topics, where have all the liberals gone? Mm. Opening comments to the general public to ask a question in sincerity. What changed the minds of society's former First Amendment advocates? We've said this for the longest time. Why don't liberals, where did it happen? What was the point where liberals that used to believe in free speech say, we don't care? Because anybody who is my age, Eric, or probably your age, who is a Democrat, back 30 years ago, back 20 years ago, were free speech advocates. How did they all change? Because you don't hear any, I don't hear anything. I don't care where I go. You don't hear any Democratic voter talking about a concern about free speech. No, you I don't, don't. I don't hear anywhere. No, anywhere. no, you don't. Um, what you see is the fear of the mob. Yeah. And he writes, yesterday, a House committee, Republican-led, but still released a series of documents showing, without a doubt, that the FBI has been forwarding thousands of content moderation requests to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube on behalf of Ukraine Security Agency. The documents not not only contain incontrovertible evidence that our own FBI pressures tech companies to censor materials, but that the Bureau is outsourcing such work to a foreign government, in this case, Ukraine. This passage below, for instance, reads that the SBU requested for your review and, if appropriate, deletion and suspension of these accounts. There can't possibly be controversy at this point as to whether or not this censorship program is going on. Whether it's the FBI forwarding the SPU, asking for the removal of uh, Aaron uh, Matei, or the Global Engagement Center recommending action on the Canadian site globalresearch.ca, or the White House demanding the takedown of figures like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the same types of behavior have now been captured over and over and over again. In light of this, I have to ask, where are the rest of the card-carrying liberals from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, people like me who always reflexively opposed restrictions on speech? Is your argument that private companies can do what they want? Well, then why did you think otherwise in 1985 when Tipper Gore's Parents Music Resource Center suggested record companies voluntarily label as uh, as dirty songs like Darling Nikki and call them McCarthyites when they compiled a list of the filthy 15 albums? Does that not sound suspiciously like the disinformation dozen why were you on frank zappa's side then but with the blacklisters now do you now think it's not really censorship if the fbi 
merely makes its opinion known about content but doesn't order takedowns? Did you think the same when the FBI sent a letter to Priority Records complaining about NWAs? F the police? Did you agree then with the ACLU, whose Southern California chairman responded to the FBI's letter by saying it's completely inappropriate for any government agency to try to influence what artists do? It is completely against the American tradition of free speech? If you believe that new forms of speech constitute harm and offense to such a degree, or excuse me, is it your belief that new forms of speech constitute harm and offense to such a degree that censorship is warranted? If so, why did you once support the work of uh, P. Christ, which Catholics insisted was an intolerable offense, and call it censorship when opponents tried to pull funding from the National Endowment of, of the Arts. Remember that, the crucifix and yeah. the urine? Yeah. Wasn't the Hustler magazine spread suggesting Jerry Falwell had sex with his mother in an outhouse offensive? Didn't you go to the People versus Larry Flint anyway? <laughs> if you're okay with the FBI collaborating on censorship with the SBU now, why oppose the original Patriot Act, suggesting you didn't even want the government looking at library records in search of Islamic terrorists? Why did you support the Dixie Chicks when they were blackballed for anti-war views after the Iraq invasion? Did you cheer them when you watched Shut Up and Sing? (laughs) Weren't those national security issues too? That wasn't even long ago. Is Vladimir Putin that much more of a menace than Al-Qaeda to justify the change in heart? Hmm. The change in thinking of traditional American liberals is the only part of this censorship picture that still doesn't quite compute for me. I'd like to hear from anyone who has an explanation, a personal testimony, anything. Comments are open to everyone here. Well, to be very clear and to the point, the mob has shut down that whole idea. How dare you speak up because dissent will have you canceled and you'll have a target on your back from the mob. They'll come after you. Any dissent. So free speech is out the window. The idea of free speech is out the window. The idea now is to control the speech. The left believed they had won when it came to speech And they didn't need to go that far because they had control of social media. And now we know we had they had control of social media because they have people of authority controlling social media, what was going to be on there and what wasn't. And the left was okay with that, even if they didn't know it when they learned it, they still haven't been become outraged over it. It's interesting because I can't find, I'm scrolling down because he took all these 
and everybody who's commenting is basically a conservative yeah. explaining where liberals are. Yeah. I can't find liberals explaining it. <laughs> right. Yeah, well. <laughs> I can't find And then you get people into, of course, onto their own narratives. But I'm going down through as I scroll, and I'm trying to... I'm trying to find anything. And, you know, they're saying, you know, Trump broke people. They just, mm. you know, they, they, that liberals couldn't handle vulgarity winning an election. <laughs> that was one. But it's funny because you can't, that's the thing. I mean, this, this is what, what I'm just going down through here. Maybe there are a couple, but the vast majority of comments aren't liberals saying, here's why we changed. Yeah. It's and and that's what we see. What what I see is liberals, liberals who were so vocal. And I'm talking about people that I know, acquaintances. They're just quiet. They don't say anything anymore. They just don't talk. No, they don't. You know, I remember when Obama was was president. I I can tell you right now. Twenty people, twenty twenty five people that I worked with or were acquaintances with, who are liberal who were constantly commenting, nothing now, absolutely nothing. And they would be vocal. They don't say anything uh, either critical or supportive. They just don't say anything. And is it is it because, uh, I, you know, I don't know, is it shame? Is it they don't want to deal with the flack that would come from other liberals? Look. If you're a Democrat, if and I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about my uh, my uncles and some of my cousins. Hmm. It'll be interesting because I'm going to my the fiftieth my fiftieth high school anniversary next week. It'll be interesting to see just just the the, the party uh, the happy hour, not the dinner and stuff like that. I got a family reunion also that weekend, so I've got the family reunion and this. Well, I grew up in a I grew up. Uh, I've told the story before. My grandfather was a conservative, but my grandfather helped form the Democratic Party when he immigrated from Canada. Hmm. And my grandfather immigrated from Canada because of the absolute bigotry of Irish Catholics in Toronto. That's why he uh, that that's why he came down. You couldn't find a job. You couldn't find work. The bigotry. I didn't know this till a few years ago. And I talked about it on the air. I was my nephew told me, I go, what are you talking about? And I talked to my dad. He goes, yeah. I said, well, grandfather never talked about it. He goes, no, because he was always somebody to move forward. He never really talked much about the past. He viewed that as useless. Mm. And I went, oh, okay, that's him. Because that's the way that he was. He just looked at the future. And he probably he would have talked about it and talked about how he hated bigotry. But my, my grandfather would never be a Democrat today. Mm. He wouldn't have been a Democrat. I think he probably changed, oh, I don't know. Uh, sometime when, um, uh, not really sure, but I'm going to guess being against the Civil Rights Act probably would have bothered my grandfather. Abortion, he was gone from the Democrats. So with Roe v. Wade, he was gone. So that would have been 70, hmm. 1970. So, um, but uh, he he helped form the Democratic Party in the town that I grew up in, which was fully Republican. Right. There was no Democratic Party. It was only Republican, and he moved here and thought there needs to be a two-party system. That's why, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to uh, be in a system where there's only one party. And I know that my father's what well, my father taught me the difference between 
a Republican communism came from his father. So, but what happened? What happened to the the liberals who defended free speech? Where are they? Well, they're gone. Uh, first of all, again, if they if they believed at one point they could control speech and they were controlling the conversation through pop culture and social media, which they were up till lately. Now that that's gone, they have to go direct. And the mob will come after you. You, If you issue any dissent, you're immediately going to be a target of the mob. And if you're on the left and you say, hey, guys, maybe we should. Well, you just flinched. That's dissent. And that's where the mob comes after you. And you're okay if you're on the far left and the FBI is controlling social media. You're okay with that. You're okay with them creating laws when it comes to pronouns. You're okay with that. Free speech is a thing of the past. Old liberals may be quiet. They may be against it, but they're not going to speak up. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, reading you know Matt uh, Taibbi's column yesterday. You know, where did where did all the liberals go? What happened? How did they disappear? How did you know tens of millions of liberals that had a specific ideology? And he's focusing, for example, on free speech. Mm-hmm. Where and and by the way, I I will say this: uh, I don't believe that free speech was always the uh, the mindset of a liberal. I was. I have always been as close as I guess you can get to, and I know you are too, to uh, an absolute person on free speech to begin with. I remember when the, when I first became a talk show host. Remember flag burning, that whole thing came up. Mm-hmm. Now, people call it a free speech issue. I called it a property rights issue. But I was always behind the, the fact that, you know, on, on on free speech, I want the Nazis to be able to speak. You know, remember the whole Skokie thing when that happened mm-hmm. in in Illinois, where liberals were behind the fact that they should and they should be able to speak. That's the whole concept of of, uh, of of free speech. The whole thing with with flag burning, which isn't as big of an issue as it used to be, but it was huge when I first became a talk show host. Uh, and my point of view was, well, you know, as an Eagle Scout, I know that you burned a flag to properly dispose of it. Mm-hmm. So if I burn a flag over here and you burn a flag over there, what's the government punishing me for? Thought. Thought. Thought behind it. And as distasteful as that is for me, I, I remember having the conversation with my dad because my I just become a talk show host, and that was one of the big issues. It's like, I don't want to give my opinion on that. My dad, my, and I asked my dad, and my dad was like, well, no. It's, it's not your flag. Yeah, put you in jail. Yeah, Burn somebody right. else's flag. Right. But if it's yours, not going to do it. But no, you're being punished for your thought.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.